0: Married all of two weeks. Yeah. I I didn't think about that until I was actually, the true update, we got married on the 17th of March, and on April Fool's was my first Sunday at Hillcrest Baptist Church. Lord, they didn't know what they had called, nor did I, but uh, I soon learned that uh, there was a small airport on the west side of town. And as always uh, in my life, flying has been a part of it. And I'm looking, Dean is here. So Dean, you'll have to be quiet and your wife will have to be quiet when I ask this question. Because I know you'll know the answer. Um, But I spent a lot of time at that airport with Judd Nogle. Judd's about the same age as I am. Uh, We spent a lot of time. I got to fly with him in the back seat of the aircrafts that they would restore there. And and uh, overhaul, I think Brenda actually did some formation flying one time with them and there's nothing like formation flying when you can see the guy rubbing his nose or the girl rubbing her nose and you're that close wingtip to wingtip. Um, we ate a lot at Monocle's Pizza. You remember that Monocle's Pizza that was there? And I did not even know this till I was doing some more research on Charlie Noble, who was the dad who started that whole aircraft business. Charlie was in, involved in the uh, development of Monocle pizzas there in Illinois. But anyway, they restored this aircraft, those type of aircrafts. Now, in the flying world, almost every airplane has some sort of name. Like Lou was in B 52s and they call them what? Well, yes, they do. I knew he would give the right name. But what would they say with tongue in cheek? Call it a, a buff. And there are many explanations of what that stands for, but most commonly and church-wise, I would say big old ugly fat fellow or something like that, big ugly fat fellow. Um, Those of you who know Vietnam Air Air Airplanes, F-4 Phantom, World War II was the P-51. That's a T-34 flown by the Air Force and by the Navy. Anybody got other than Dean Howard (laughs) or Lori Howard? Anybody else know what that name of that aircraft is? No, that'd be a T six, but that's a good, very good guess, because it's a trainer. All right, Dean, tell him. It's a mentor. So that's the title this morning for the message because as we look at John sixteen, verses twenty or excuse me, twelve through fifteen. We called the Holy Spirit last last week the comforter, and even called him our champion. And and as you know, scripturally we call him a lot of things. He's the paraclete, he's the he is the advocate, he is the warm spirit, he is the, All these different things, and as we look at these different words, and I think mentor speaks well for what uh, Jesus says he will do in the world. Uh, But if you will join with me in the 16th chapter of John, and we're going to pick up verses 12 through 15. Last week he's told us about how the Holy Spirit comes and convicts the world, and now he says, verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Hmm. Okay, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I say, said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. And we'll end right there because next week actually ties on to the uh, following verses. So let me ask you to pray with me. Father, as we once again try to wrap our minds, and often minds that have not been challenged enough to think about the Holy Spirit and hearts that have perhaps not been convicted enough to understand how we are to be dependent upon your Holy Spirit. We confess our failures, we admit our weaknesses, and we acknowledge our dependence upon you and the Spirit that comes from the Son, from you to us, the Holy Spirit. Touch us today with that spirit of truth. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I said this Wednesday night, kind of tongue-in-cheek, I meant to say it last week, that the Holy Spirit is the Rodney Dangerfield of the Trinity. Only old people will understand that. There's no one laughing, so you must all be young. But Rodney Dangerfield got no respect. If you knew him as a comedian, he would do these things, and i never get any respect. But if you were raised in a more liturgical tradition where you actually repeated a creed on a Sunday morning worship, you probably learned either the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. I think, I do I have a section? Yeah, that's a section of the Nicene Creed. So let me give you a little context, and this is probably more church history than what you want. But when Constantine came into power in Rome, he is the first emperor to be a convert to Christianity. And because of the suppression of emperors prior to him, and I was talking to Dennis in my office, it would be like there's all the Wadeites over there, all the Wades that are worshiping their, their way because that's, they haven't had a chance to intermingle. And there's all the Steveites over there, and, and they're worshiping their, their way of knowing Jesus. And there was a lot of problems within the Christian faith. So Constantine, being the emperor, says, hey, Let me get all the religious leaders of the day come together, have a council, Council of Nicaea in 325 and get me some firm hold on what's going on. Because there were some who were saying that Jesus was not fully divine. There were some who were saying that Jesus was not the same as the father. And then there were others who did not understand what we would not even come to know until this, what the Trinity even would be defined as. So. My old, guess what, it's not in the Baptist hymnal because we often consider ourselves and pride ourselves in saying that we're non creedal that it's sola scriptura, in other words, scripture only. But creeds, we all stand on the historic and foundational work of the church understanding more about who Jesus, who God, who who the Father, and who the Holy Spirit are. So if you learn the Nicene Creed, the, the Apostles' Creed is basically a shortened version of that, and it came out about 60 or 70. I think it's right at the 400 uh, A.D. time frame. But it would say, I believe in God the Father, and then it will say, I believe in God the Son. And here it says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and who is with the Father and the Son, is adored, some will say worshiped, and then more." I think have more uh, modern ones, or actually that may be the older ones, is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. So, all right, Cliff, why are you doing all that? Well, we need to understand this idea of Trinity that we kick around like it's nothing. Because most of us, without some explanation, some understanding, can't even explain to a non-Christian, why do we look at God in these three parts, these three modes, if you will, and I know all those are negative words if you're understanding the Trinity, because, and I'll show you at the end of the sermon, a little symbol that uh, most of us have been raised to say that God reveals himself in three different ways, right? As the Father, and as the Son, and as the Holy Spirit, and the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Holy Spirit, but all three are God, so it's kind of hard to get your mind around it, but I think it's important that you have this historical context. And today, Jesus continues to explain to us who the Holy Spirit is. And one last thing I'd say about that Nicene Creed. Not only did it define the full deity of, of Jesus and the full deity of the Trinity, but it coined the Trinity for the church. Because those of you, if you've ever witnessed or talked to a Jehovah Witness, they will tell you Trinity is not in the Bible. That's correct. Just as Cliff Perry's name is not in the Bible, but I know Jesus came and died for me, okay? So if I can establish that, today Jesus says more about his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth who will guide us in all truth. And our first thing I'd like for us to consider is guide. You say, well, come on, Cliff, can you get a little deeper than that? Well, it's right here out of the scripture, so let's stay with me. Look at verse 12. need to pause there for a second anyway. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Many commentators will immediately stop and say that can on the initial reading be in contrast to John fourteen twenty six, where Jesus says, but the counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Well, I don't see it as a conflict. It is a compliment. And Jesus is telling them, there's more to be told to you, but right now you can't understand it or you can't bear it because at this point, he had not been crucified. He had not been resurrected from the dead. He had not ascended into heaven. So to try to describe those things to them at that point, obviously would have brought some confusion. So they compliment. The spirit of truth, he says, will guide you after my death. He will guide you after my resurrection. He will guide you after the ascension. And he will always point to the truth. And if you remember back in John, I think it's 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth. So the Holy Spirit, one of his jobs is always to guide us to Jesus, okay? Staying with that aviation mentor theme, air traffic controllers. And Dean, I didn't mean to make this a sermon just for pilots, but I think we can all learn from uh, good flyers because I wasn't, or haven't always been a good one. Uh, Air traffic controllers help give guidance, uh, aircraft separation, and uh, they can be a calming voice when you're a nervous young pilot. While uh, on our first assignment here in San Antonio, I actually had an air coupe while I was pastoring in that church in, in uh, Illinois. And when I got here, uh, we bought, uh, well, Cliff bought, I think Brenda just agreed, uh, we bought a Mooney, uh, an 63 model in in 86 it wasn't that old now it seems antique you know but uh we had flown it home to Illinois complete with our basset hound in the back seat you know it's nothing to, you know if your basset hound is your only child you you travel with your basset hound so uh, the morning we were getting ready to head back here to Texas uh it was pretty pretty human day and there's a lot of just ground kind of fog if you will and I knew that if I got up above it I could see and Because I was strictly a VFR pilot, no instrument rating whatsoever. I did have a brand new GPS, monochrome. Mm, Yeah, those of you who remember monochrome computer monitors. I mean, I was was paying like $800 for that thing, and that was some big-time money for us. I mean, so I was going to use that. And we took off, and the GPS would never find the satellite that it needed to find, and it was not working at all. So there was my first lesson, I think, and, uh, you know, it, it's it's better <clears throat> to understand the truth, and the truth was that I should have stayed on the ground until the overcast burned off. And then I started, because, you, know, you know, any pilot should know how to work their radios or navigational radios, and I'm turning in different VOR frequencies of where I thought I should be, and they just never, you know, Dean, they never respond as fast as you want them to. You know, you want to turn in that frequency, and immediately goes, you should head, fly, you know, heading such and such, and I think the nervousness, having my wife, having the dog, I'm sure that was up on my shoulder, looking where we're going, you know, I had a lot of advice from the back seat. I I just, I I think I flew more in circles than I even picked a heading, so it caused all, you know, everything to kind of get crazy. So I just called for flight following, and there this very calm voice said, you know, I told him I was headed to to Little Rock first, and I said, give me a heading to there, and they did, Thankfully, no one had me call the uh, control, you know, controllers when I landed. But that calm voice of giving me the heading to go is exactly what the Holy Spirit can do for your life. Can guide you with the truth of the scriptures, with the truth of who Jesus is, and get you on the right heading when you've been circling in the haze. The mentor, the Holy Spirit, will guide you if you will just ask. And he will not give you information independent of the Father and of the Son. For the truth comes from the Godhead. And he guides you in what is even yet to come. Now, some have misapplied this verse to explain additional revelation. To uh, say that God laid this on my heart, if you will. How many times have you heard some false prophet? And I could name some. Historically, most, well, Depends on generation, you would know who Jim Jones was, you might know who Reverend Moon is, or maybe even this year you would know the Kenyan pastor who challenged his congregants to fast, to basically starve themselves until they got to heaven. And over a hundred people died of starvation because of the false teachings of someone claiming to know the truth. So I say to you, always use scripture as your proof. A proof text, if you will. Because we know that Scripture was inspired by who? God, the Holy Spirit, right? Remember that the guide will not lead us down a heading of death and destruction, but our guide will lead us down the direction of life and everlasting life. You know, guides, when you use that word, are kind of like hunting guides or fishing guides. And land, is land is still doing that at all? Still doing guiding? Yeah. It's nice to have a guide if you're going somewhere. I mean, is if Saul, if Saul here today? You need to talk to him next time you see him. He hired a fishing guide. I didn't even know they had fishing guides other than like deep sea fishing. He went to Lake Calaveras with a guy that had like Fish Finder Deluxe. I mean, I'm sure the high-tech version of any GPS I ever owned. But they knew exactly where to go. And he and Asher, you know, got all these fish. Fish you probably wouldn't eat because of that lake. I guess there's not a necessarily a place you want to eat their fish. But and nonetheless, they caught all these fish because the guy told them where to go. And if you have a guide like your son, he's going to tell you where to go to shoot whatever it is you're going to shoot. And I, I remember growing up watching ABC Sports, and sometimes they'd have hunting shows. And the guide is always the one whispering, you know. Watch it there. You know, get him in your sight. and so It's almost like they're going to. Put the gun in your hands and aim it this way, and now, now you can pull the trigger, you know. Well, growing up, where Canadian geese come in their migratory uh, trips, we have all types of uh, geese refuge. You know, it's places where grown men go and drink a lot, eat a lot, and then early in the morning they go out and shoot at the geese. And normally they miss. So there are places where I'm from that actually would have geese for sale, already butchered, ready for you to take home to your wife to prove that you'd been hunting, (laughs) and you were very successful. But those young men, my my friend Neil, uh, actually worked as a guide there for a while because he could work the goose call really well. I mean, I have one, and it sounds more like screeching when I blow it than you know anything would call a goose. But those who can make that. It's almost like he convinced a goose to come and land right in front of the, the goose blind where the person could shoot him. Well, our guide will take us, the Holy Spirit being our guide, will take us through the wilderness. And he may not bait your hook, and he may not even let you take the shot, but he will always be there with truth in our moments of need as well as our stages of security. Because that's so easy. When, when things are going well, we don't spend as much time... With the Lord. So remember, He is there in your moments of security or your stages of security in your moments of need. I've used Henry Nouwen before. Henry nowen was a Roman Catholic priest who is known for his pastoral care teaching. Uh, he taught both at, at Harvard and at Yale. And at one point in his life, I think it's about 1985 or so, he just totally stepped away from the the teaching world and lived in community uh, where there were a number of people who were disabled uh, mentally, physically, and basically took care of people. And while he was doing this, and he went between uh, Europe and the United States, he had some time in Canada, he had some time in the Netherlands, uh, he actually had some time... I understand, in New York. But he wrote a book uh, and contains this story, Can You Drink the Cup? And I'm sure you know that from Jesus asking one of his disciples, you know, can you drink my cup? And and uh, tells a story that he heard about a man who had been near where he was. His name was Trevor. And actually, I found a picture. I didn't, I didn't put it in there today because I knew it would, you know, you show pictures and that's all they look at. They won't listen to you then. Um but Trevor got put into a mental institution, and while he was in this institution, word came to Nowen that he wanted, Trevor wanted Henry Nowen to come and visit him. So Nowen calls up the institution and says, Hey, you know, I'm Henry Nowen, and I'd like to come and visit Trevor. Because sometimes, if you're in a mental hospital, those of you who know that, you've dealt with that, you can't always get a visitor. And uh, this man, had, Trevor, had had a lifetime of uh, disabilities, and, and uh, anyway, he, he, he wanted to see uh, Nowen. So when Nowen calls up, he said, I'd like to come visit. And they said, the Henry Nowen? Well, well, yes. Well, absolutely. Would you come to a luncheon? We'll get all the psychologists and all the psychiatrists. We'll even invite our chaplains to come to the dinner in the gold room, which is their special room in this mental facility. He said, well, yeah, I guess. And They said, you can speak to the crowd. He said, okay, I will. So he goes, and he's ushered into this beautiful you know, dining room, the gold room, and he looks around, and there's all these doctors and you know, clergy people, and and he's looking for Trevor. He said, "Where's Trevor?" And they said, "Oh, well, the staff never eats meals with the patients. We've never had a patient come into the gold room." And now, as he writes in the story, he said, "You know, I've never been a really a strongly assertive guy. I don't like confrontation." But he said, "I know that that was my moment when the spirit was talking to me," and he said. Well, if trevor's not going to be able to eat with us, i won't be either i'll just go ahead and go because i came here to see him so so they they made some you know it's amazing when you push back a little bit policies can change they brought trevor and trevor had a great time and he was enjoying himself and everybody's sitting around now and you know could you imagine you're sitting oh, let's put it in our context i sat beside billy graham last week at lunch wasn't that cool you know you would be telling all your friends so everybody's i know some of you billy who uh, I don't know. I sat beside Cliff Perry. Yeah, so what? You know, <laughs> whoever your favorite TV preacher is, I don't know. I sat beside him, and you'd be telling people about that. And now, and is sitting there talking, and all of a sudden, Trevor has snuck up right beside him. Or not snuck, but he's you know, unannounced. He he's he's standing right beside him, holding his Coca-Cola in his hand, and Trevor says, "I propose a toast." And everybody's looking, you know, talk about awkward moments. You know, here he is with all these highbrows and Trevor, who has just cut through all the highbrow stuff. I want to do a toast. And finally, Nolan says, okay, Trevor, what you got? And he says, if you're happy and you know it, drink your Coke. If you're happy and you... And he said it was just this awkward silence until... Now and says, if you're happy and you know it, drink your Coke. And he said, then the entire room, as you read this story, they're all singing it together. And he went on and made his presentation that day. And he said, but the most memorable thing was Trevor saying, if you're happy and you know it, drink your Coke. And he goes on and communicates and, and closes that out that the Holy Spirit, he believed, was the one who was working through him, through Trevor, and through everyone as they together understood the purpose of knowing one another and hearing one another and seeing the truth of the moment. So like the mentor, Trevor declared the truth. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. And that's our final point, declare. I started to do a video and once again I, I, I love movies, I think in movies. and uh, If I just say you can't handle the truth, You know exactly where I'm going. It's Tom, and I didn't put it in. It's Tom Cruise against Jack Nicholson. Nicholson is on the stand, uh, and he is uh, testifying. and And Tom Cruise's character says, I want the truth. And you want the truth? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Well, I think about that and the sayings of Jesus. Jesus in John 8 says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So now you have to decide whether you're going to believe in Jack or Jesus, if you will, because we must declare the truth that comes from the Spirit. People today don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear the truth about Jesus. They don't want to hear about his love, about his forgiveness, and his saving power. Our society wants to define truth and define it in such a way that is comfortable to them. Truth becomes relative and subjective, no rights or wrongs. And if you don't agree, you're a fake. If you don't like it, you must have a phobia. And if you declare the truth to someone, you're obviously out of touch or a radical. Remember last week that we said the Holy Spirit is the comforter, our champion, because he will convict the world of their sin, of their guilt, because they do not believe in Jesus. The mentor declares the truth whether they can handle it or not. But as we talked about it, uh, I think that was two weeks ago in a sermon, be careful that you don't abuse the truth, and take your relationship with Jesus of knowing the truth as a weapon to strike pain and suffering in this lost world. Jesus tells us that the mentor will declare. Now you have different, wor- different versions of your uh, translations in your Bibles right there. I'm sure there are a lot of different ones. But let me just tell you, and you look at verses 13 in the NIV, he says he will, talking of the Holy Spirit, he will tell you what is to come. Verse 14, he says, making it known to you. And in verse 15, he says, and will make it known to you again. Three times, the same word is used. Even in my translation there, it has two different ways of, of uh, translating it. It's all the word for declare. It is a. I I like word studies. It is the word that the ending is the same word that we use for you uh, angelion, that's the good news, the gospel. You is the Greek uh, preposition for good, so it's the good news. So angelion, same wor- word is used, you get a derivative of for angel. Uh, he's got anna or anna and angelio, and anna is the Greek word for up in a process. So Jesus, even in his word choice, if we understand the original language, is saying that the Holy Spirit is saying all these things to us and it's been vetted through the Father as he speaks the truth to you. And I thought that was a powerful w- word study there. And I know you probably uh, Cliff, I wish we just talk more about lunch. But it is something that we need to understand that when you get the word from the Holy Spirit, it has come from the Father through the Son. Vetted by God, because the Holy Spirit is God, and I think as Baptists we often get so confused and so misunderstand. We, we hear Holy Spirit—that's crazy talk, you know—that's the guys that are speaking in tongues. And there's some of you. My family came out of that tradition. There's nothing wrong to me with someone who spoke speaks in tongues, but it is not a prerequisite for salvation. It is a manifestation of the Spirit, as are other manifestations of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes into the believer's life at the point of conversion. It's not somewhere down the road. It's not after you've gone to three different Bible studies. It is when you accept Christ Jesus in your life, when you have confessed him as Lord and Savior, his spirit comes into you and becomes that mentor, becomes that one who convicts, becomes that one who will be your champion, becomes that one who will be your comforter. And when we fail to understand that, we do a disservice to ourselves and to our God. Here's a picture I st- stumbled on last week. Anybody ever seen that? never would think it's a church picture, would you? Especially if you're a Baptist. They look like they're dancing. Well, they are. And in the Eastern tradition, that is the symbol of the Trinity. Some of us grew up in churches where the symbol of the Trinity might be three circles with a triangle. You know, the three circles are interconnected because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all God. And we have these three circles that, you know, are connected. And then that triangle is which many Protestants will say, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And they connect like that. This is the Eastern version of how to communicate the relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're in a dance. Now, I know some of you, that's not as he talking about the spirit. He's talking about dancing in a Baptist church. of you ever watched Dancing with the Stars? I know, yeah. Well, if it's so sinful, why are you watching it? I think David danced in front of the Lord, didn't he? Maybe some others? Yeah, okay. I know, we say, well, it's where you're doing the dancing. I got that, okay. Here's a question I got to think about as I saw this in dancing. If you were sitting at a table and someone came to you and asked you to give and dance, would you dance with them? Probably. Is that Ed? Did you say that? Man, it's been so long since somebody asked me to dance. Sure I would. What if you're sitting there with your wife and it was some other lady? Well, you're sitting there with your husband and it was a movie star that you really liked. (laughs) Sorry, babe, I gotta go. (laughs) Whatever it would take to influence you to get up and dance, that's what the Holy Spirit does for you and I when we are invited by name to get up and dance with him. One writer I read this week said, the Holy Spirit, when he came on Pentecost, was a spirit that swept us up into the dance of the Trinity. That's how I got to finding this symbol. We are summoned to the dance floor, and the music is grace and love, holiness and peace. The music is supplied by God, and his people are invited to sing and dance along. When the spirit enters the scene, my friend, it's an invitation to the dance and he gives us the energy and the power to pull it off. Stand as we pray. Lord, as we come now to a time of invitation, how many times have you wanted us to dance with you? How many times have you tried to reveal yourself to us, but we stifled the spirit or we claimed that we weren't under conviction? But Lord, each one here today, I know wants a relationship with you. Some have already established it and are maintaining it and they love the comfort. They love the champion. They love the one who would mentor, the one who would guide. They love the presence of your son in their life through the Holy Spirit. The father, someone perhaps is here today who's never asked Christ into their life. They've never experienced the forgiveness And the knowledge that because of him, we can have life everlasting. We can have power for this world. We can have that guide, that one who will lead us in the dark times, that one who will be with us, who will inspire us, give us words to say. So, Lord, whatever decision your people have on their hearts, we pray that they would answer the call to dance with you. If there's someone here who wants to come to these steps, and profess their faith in Christ Jesus. We invite them to do that. If there's someone here who wants to come to these steps and pray, we have congregants that will gladly uh, jump up and pray with them. Maybe there's someone who just wants to come and leave something here of these steps. Let your Holy Spirit move in our midst. And this I pray in Jesus name, amen.